So Money Episode 495, Alco, General Manager with Intuit for Mint.com. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Always great to have you join me. And I'm sure by now you've learned or have heard that I'm working with one of my favorite financial tools. That's mint.com. And I'm writing weekly for the blog, doing audits. For those of you who have mint profiles, if you want me to go through your finances or talk through some of your budget items, happy to give you, you know, a breakdown of what I think you can improve upon and change, add, adjust. So let me know if you want to be a part of that. Email me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com, and we'll add you to the list. So as part of the partnership, I had a chance recently to sit down with Intuit's Senior Vice President and General Manager, Al Coe, who is overseeing Mint. He was visiting New York City a few weeks ago, came to my offices here. It's an unusual setting because normally I interview people via Skype. So it was cool to be face-to-face with someone. We talked about Mint, how it's come a very long way since it launched back in 2006. Were any of you on board at that point? I think I might have joined right around then. And so we talk about some of the changes that Mint's experienced over the decade, the challenges that consumers continue to face. This really surprised me, when, especially when it comes to bill pay. And get this, the $400 purchase he made back in college that he calls his so money moment. Here is Alco. Alco, welcome to So Money. Welcome to New York. Good morning. Great to be here again. This is a unique setting for me. You know, usually I interview guests virtually, but you have traveled all the way from San Francisco. Yeah, our offices are in Mountain View. Right. Yeah. I always forget. My my West Coast geography is a little off, but uh, thank you for being here. You've flown in all the way and made time to be in person with me. So let's talk about Mint. My listeners already know that I've partnered with Mint. It's not always where you get to work with the teams and the companies that you actually, you know, use and really rely on. It was just a, a dream phone call that I got. Why did it take you so long to call me? Yeah, you know, I was wondering the same thing. So, uh, first of all, it's awesome to put a, a face to a name and we're really excited to work with you and we've, uh, loved. Uh, just following, you know, what you talk about in terms of uh, finances and money. And so it was a perfect fit. So it's, uh, we're excited to be here. This is my number one priority in New York. Well, thanks. And it's interesting to see as someone who was an early adopter of Mint, now it's been, what, 10 years later um, since your beta launch. Uh, lots have changed. Tell us about some of the new kind of big picture initiatives that Mint's really focusing on. The, the space, the fintech space has gotten really crowded, really competitive. For consumers, that's wonderful. But I'm sure as someone who's running a company that's in that space, it can be you know challenging to think, how can we continue to stay ahead? Yeah. First, just a little bit of context. You know, when Mint started, you mentioned 10 years ago, it was a web product and now 80% of users are either mobile only or mobile first. And that's a big change. A couple of other tidbits about our users. um, 75% of our users are in their 20s or 30s. They hear about it typically on a college campus when, you know, after their first internship and they have some bills to pay or have to uh, finally be a grown up. 
uh, and they ask their friends and, and, uh, the friends typically mention mint, uh, because it's just so easy to use. Uh, another interesting tidbit is that, um, more than 90% of our users are either in college or have a college degree. And so that's a, it's a pretty staggering thing. Uh, but it also begs the question and you ask about what's coming down the road. How do we make mint more everyday relevant for everyone, uh, where you would fire it up literally all the time, as opposed to being kind of a younger, more educated tracker who wants to get on top of their, their, their money. Uh, and as you know, um, so many Americans just need to be on top of what they're doing. And we think we have a very important uh, role to play in that mission. So I just... You know, I've been doing some demographic research on how millennials like to manage money, how boomers, retirees, and the difference, one of the differences is the mobile aspect. The older generation is not so mobile, uh, excited. You know, they're a little skeptical of mobile. They don't use their phones for everything like the 20s and 30 year olds do. So is that a challenge? Is getting them to convert to mobile since that's where a lot of the action is happening? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say for older folks, for sure. Now we, uh, really benefit from having a younger demographic where that's not an issue. Uh, but I think it's it's going to happen. And it, in fact, we do a lot of research even abroad in countries where tech adoption and mobile adoption may be even higher than the U.S. And you see it, it's going to be pervasive across every generation. It just so happens that for younger folks, even mobile is a broad category. How they interact is different. So again, you talk about where things are headed, you know, more of a messaging chatbot style interface where I'm having a conversation with Mint is a direction that we're pushing as opposed to, you know, a beautiful app that I can interact with, which was a bit of the model of the past. In its infancy, Mint, and again, from my perspective, because I was an early adopter, was really more a place to go and get organized, you know, see all my bills in one place. Also, at the same time, Mint would educate me on, hey, you're paying too much interest on this credit card, or here are some other bank accounts where you can get a better savings rate. Has that? How has that evolved over the years as our finances have gotten more sophisticated, as our needs have changed, and also as the marketplace has gotten more competitive. There are a lot of kind of organizational financial apps, uh, dashboards, so to speak. So um, what's what are the needs that Mint is serving these days? Sure. Well, keep in mind, at Intuit, we've been at this for 34 years. It was born out of the granddaddy of them all, Quicken. Um, and you know, one thing hasn't changed. Only about 15% of the population are trackers, meaning even though everyone should stay on top of their finances, only a small fraction do. And so I would actually say the grand challenge is how do you get folks who aren't naturally inclined to just uh, track every day and budget and, and stay on top of their finances? How do you still deliver the value? And then back to where technology is headed, people are used to getting more notifications and alerts, things that are more personal and specific to me, my city, my demographic, my lifestyle. And so he who solves that problem best will win down the road. And I think part of the, the benefit of that will also be more mass adoption. Again, Mint has 6 million active users uh, today, but obviously the population is much, much bigger. It is. And like you said, a lot of this just comes down to behavior. You know, you can give as many tools and instructions and education, but at the end of the day, human nature sometimes trumps in in bad ways and in good ways, our ability to, you know, take on good habits. So how does Mint kind of work 
within that realm, like understanding our, our psychology and our behavioral tendencies. How does the platform kind of um, reconcile that a little bit? Yeah. You, you know what? I think you should come work with us because, uh, well, more than you are today, because uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, human behavior is such that um, um, even though people fret about money, they don't necessarily do the steps they need to uh, address their situation. I'll give you an example. Um, in any given month, 5% of all credit card payments are paid, not paid at all, with huge penalty. And uh, when you ask folks and when you actually look at the data, they had the money, they just didn't pay it. Um, and uh, there's a whole myriad of reasons why, but back to why did you miss it? What was the, not only the behavior that triggered it, but also the the tools that you had or didn't have that actually can get at the heart of solving your biggest financial problems. What we need to do is not, it, it, every app preceding Mint and even Mint when it started was about having someone who was organized, giving them a better tool. And it has to then, that tool needs to recede in the background where now I'm just living my life and this tool is helping me uh, every day optimize it. It's fascinating that people, you think, oh, well, just automate your bills. It's that simple. You'll never be late. Um, is it that people just aren't adopting to automation as much as we think it's so um, you know, prevalent? Well, automation is a tough point because um, enough people are on the razor's edge and, you know, there's all kinds of stats, but, you know, more than half of Americans don't have, you know, X hundred dollars in savings kind of thing where the automation part is a bit of a luxury for the 10%, not for every day, because uh, most folks need to stay on top of it, look at it before they pay. You know, there's $26 billion a year in overdraft fees because people made a payment that they, did, they weren't good for. Um, so, um, again, the intelligence that we can build into, Hey, before you make that payment, you might want to transfer some money or wait until Friday when you get paid. That's the kind of intelligence that people need that doesn't require a change of behavior, but that will drive much better outcomes. You came to Mint with a very substantial consulting background. What has Mint taught you? What is your experience overseeing, you know, the management, the brand, told you about consumers, about fintech? Like what's, what have been some of the more interesting takeaways so far? Sure. You know, in consulting, you learn uh, obviously a lot about gathering data and then creating a hypothesis and then proving or disproving the hypothesis and, and thinking short, medium, and long. And I think that's a, it's a good training ground. But I'll tell you the surprise if you, if um, not just in Mint, but if you're in the product side is customers defy statistics or data, you have to engage with them, live with them, meet with them, follow them home, which is something that we do a lot. Stalk them, basically. Stalk them, exactly. And and uh, you learn some staggering things. I'll give you just one example. Um, if I asked you, how many times a month do you pay your credit card bill? At least once, sometimes twice if I want. If I like, So here's my thing. It's kind of a, um, a trick because I don't want to have a high debt to rate, a debt to credit ratio. Um, and sometimes if I'm applying for a loan, they can check my credit in the middle of the month and they can see that, oh my God, furniture went on a shopping spree. Like if I bought a lot of furniture or if I bought, you know, so I, if I have a really tall balance by like the 15th, I'll just pay it off then, even though it's automatically going to pay off by the 30th because I want to protect my credit score. That's just because I'm a nerd. Holy smokes. You are 
So money savvy you are. So you're not going to be following me home. You pretty much know who I am now. You are so money. You you are the last person that we need to help. Um, well, but you hit on something interesting. When you ask most folks that there, they kind of give you an odd expression and say, what do you mean? How many times do you pay a credit card bill? You pay it once a month. Sometimes the minimum, sometimes more than the minimum, sometimes the whole statement balance. On average, uh, aggregated across millions of people, the average is 1.5. Uh, and it, and for every farnoosh of the world who is super savvy and wants to keep that that debt to the, the outstanding you know debt ratio down, uh, most folks, the reality is they can't pay off their whole credit card, but they know that credit card debt is bad, and so they pay when they can, when they get uh, uh, paid uh, every week, every two weeks, and so it's a very interesting phenomenon. And then if you say, okay, that's what people do. Are there any tools that optimize for folks who pay multiple times a month? And the answer is not really. Uh, it, the whole world is centered around the monthly payment. And, and so, again, speaks to opportunities that we can solve looking at people's behavior and, and savoring the surprise. Well, we'll look forward to that because, you know, Mint's got some exciting things in the cooker and we'll be announcing them shortly soon as uh, they get announced Publicly. So let's talk about you, Al. You know, you're on the So Money Show. So I know you've traveled far to be here, but I can't let you go back home without answering some of our personal questions. Every guest answers, beginning with um, what's your financial philosophy and how has being at Mint maybe fine tuned that for you? Just about every investment and retirement plan is created by men for men, which is fine unless you're a woman. Women still earn less than men, for now. We're more aware of risk, we're more likely than men to pause our careers to raise a family, and unfortunately, we typically retire with less wealth than men, even though statistics show that we live longer. That's why there's Elevest, created for women, run by and designed by women. Elevest helps women invest based on their specific goals, like buying a home, starting a business, raising a family, or just retiring like a boss. So Money listeners can visit elevest.com slash so money and have an investment plan created at no cost, customized to your specific goals. Invest like a woman with Elevest. E-L-L-E-V-E-S-T. That's LFS.com slash so money. I'll be honest with you, uh, being at Mint has empowered me. And frankly, I've been a user since day one when it was a startup uh, with uh, information. But my philosophy has been a longstanding one that's been passed through the generations, frankly, from my parents. And, and it's quite simple. It's uh, stay out of debt. It's give 10% to charity. I know that seems old fashioned. Uh, and it's save than 20% of, of my money. And actually my wife and I, when we were uh, engaged, talked about these things before, and we both agreed to live by these principles. And it's, uh, it served us well when we had no money with tons of debt and uh, graduate school all the way through uh, being a little bit more advanced in our careers. I think the charitable component is so important. We talk about charity on the show a lot and I just did some, um, some study, not did some studies. I found some studies on the link between gratitude and, and financial happiness. And they found that the more grateful you are, the happier you can be with your financial circumstances. Uh, grateful about all sorts of things, your family, your job, your, but also how, contributing to some cause or a nonprofit or be giving back to your community can make you grateful because you can see the impact that it has and it feels good. And therefore it gives you a, a lot of perspective on what's really important, what's not, and how your money 
can really work for you. So it has a lot more benefit than we think sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I imagine all of us can look up back in our lives and say, I, I personally benefited from the generosity of so many individuals, either directly to me or my family or indirectly. For example, I got a lot of financial aid in college that was donated by folks who decided that was a worthwhile thing. So I, I totally agree with that. I'm on the um, a board of a nonprofit organization that fights for access to clean drinking water, if you would believe it, tens of millions of Americans, when they turn on their tap, the water is polluted. Um, and what can we do about that? So uh, it's something that I believe in deeply. And I totally agree. It's tied to happiness for sure. You talked about your parents teaching you a lot about money and why it's shaped your philosophy today. Take us back to when you were a kid, little Al growing up. What were, what would say, would say was the most impactful money memory that you had, whether it was something your parents taught you or an experience that you went through? Well, uh, mine is, I'm, I'm Korean, growing up in LA, um, classic immigrant story uh, from Korea. We actually lived in Iran. Uh, and then in 1979, when all the craziness was happening, uh, came to the US. Ours is a story that's like so many, um, where family of four, two suitcases, 200 bucks, no job, and uh, that background of remember your roots, remember where you came from has been a very important part of my life story and where we don't want to take anything for granted. Koreans in Iran, I got so like winded from that. My, my contact lens just popped out. I'm not even kidding. I have to adjust this probably after the show. But what was that like? Do you remember what it was like being a foreigner in Iran? Well, I was a little kid, but a lot of people don't realize that uh, Iran... Uh, is an incredibly cosmopolitan place. It's, you know, one of the great civilizations. And up until 79, uh, there were tons of Americans, Europeans, and Koreans uh, living there and working there. And so uh, we have very fond memories. And then, frankly, moving to L.A., it's almost... It's the same thing, Tehranjulis, right? We didn't leave Iran, yeah. That's kind of how it goes. Oh, yeah. that I, I should have made that connection. And you're totally right. Before 79, it was this mecca of, of you know, cosmopolitan. It was... Um, people I would meet um, throughout my life would say, oh, I went to, I went skiing in Iran. We would go on vacation in Iran. I'm like, really? Well, that stinks for me. I was born in 1980. Go figure. So I, I haven't had those memories yet, but hopefully one day soon. Um, You're annoyingly young. <laughs> not anymore. I don't know. It's all relative, right? Uh, so Al, tell us about your... We'll t we're going to talk about failure in a moment, but let's start with some happy news and talk about your so money moment, a time in your life where you felt you really um, channeled all that, all those good lessons and was a, and they all manifested into something really fantastic. You know, I'll be honest with you. Um, I could talk about the purchase of my home, which is obviously a big milestone or paying off my student loans, which I just did last year. What? A big milestone. So I could talk about those things, but I have a more trivial, but more personal story to, to share. Uh, you know, I went to college in the Northeast and it was really cold and I'm from LA and I didn't have a nice jacket. Uh, but I, I could never afford a, a North Face jacket. And it, and it speaks to how um, fashion backward I am, that that was to me the kind of apex of... of North Face is cool. Don't discount yourself. Well, well so, so I always wanted one, but I could never afford one. So I didn't have one going through school. And so my first job out of school, um, I was in a training in San Francisco in Union Square. I walked across the street during a break and I paid 400 bucks for a North Face jacket with my first paycheck. And boom, I realized at that moment I'd made it. 
And um, kept you warm. It was utility. Exactly. Kept me dry. It was it was everything that I'd hoped it would be and more. Did it um, help with your popularity? Did you like get more friends? I don't know. What 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 other like intrinsic things? You know, that that side of the the house was a little disappointing, but uh, (laughs) but uh, that, that did not live up to expectations. But the technical side of the jacket was perfect. How long did it last? Last me 12 years, 12 years of heavy use. So here's a tip, right? When you're considering a splurge like that, think of cost per wear, right? $400 divided by 12. Quick math. That's like, I don't know, $35 a year. That's exactly right. It's cheap. It's cheap. I should have bought it long ago. <laughs> Good tip. I love that. Never had a so money moment being a North Face jacket, but... uh that's right. Well, when you're when you're a poor kid from L.A., that's uh, those are the moments you remember. And I bet you never wore it in L.A. Cause... No, you wouldn't need one. <laughs> All right. So now let's talk about failure. And this is more of we, we talk about failure because we love failures on the show. We think that they're important to experience. And if you're uh, if you have the right mindset, this could really end up being a, a wonderful lesson learned. So what's the, your best failure? Financial failure. So I'll be honest with you, I've always been super on top of my my finances so um, and super conservative. So uh, I'm not sure there's an epic fail, but I will say this. My biggest financial penalty I've ever gotten was when I missed a property tax payment uh, soon after I purchased my home. And uh, for those of you who have homes, uh, I think you'll know that at least in most uh, states and municipalities, they make it incredibly hard to pay it. They don't remind you it's all paper. You can only pay by paper if you don't want to pay a huge penalty. And I missed it. And it was a very significant uh, fail that that was a great reminder that I need a better system that for as much as I think that I have things automated, there are many things that you still cannot automate. And so how do you create a better system so that you don't let things fall through the cracks? So what did you do after that? What became your system? You know, I, um, I, I put a reminder in my calendar. Um, and uh, I normally don't use my calendar for paying bills. But um, a- after I did that, and now that I've taken this job, what I found out is that actually is the primary uh, method, whether it's a paper calendar or a digital calendar, that people do to track their bills and when they're due. Uh, which I didn't realize uh, because for me, kind of like you, I try to set it and forget it. And uh, so that was a great lesson learned. It's a great lesson because you're right. When you buy a home, a lot of times those first month's expenses, the mortgage, the taxes, the insurance, unless maybe some are bundled through escrow, you have to pay that not, you can't automatic, you, you, you set up the auto, automatic payment like afterwards. You, yeah. you have to sort of do the first month, uh, the old fashioned way. And depending on too, when you closed, did you close for, did you pay the bank for a month, two months, half a month? You know, that's always, um, it could, it could be different. You have to be really aware of how that, how the, how much you owe the bank, uh, starting in, in month one, or maybe it's month two. Well, well, you know, um, just reacting to that, when you ask people, hey, why did you miss that payment? Or why did you make that really bad financial decision? We typically ask it in a little nicer way. Um, the answer is almost never, I drove this bad boy off the cliff deliberately, right? It's always, I forgot, I didn't know about it, I didn't mean to. And so there is a wide gap between... Uh, people's, uh, the tools that folks have and their awareness of what they need to be doing and uh, the reality. And again, if you multiply it by all the hundreds of transactions a year that you have to stay on top of, it's a very difficult thing. It's a very stressful thing, especially if you're kind of on the razor's edge. 
Mint has been alerting me to the fact that um, so I go to the ATM a lot, <laughs> uh, but my bank reimburses me um, usually up to a certain amount every month. And they Mint doesn't really know this because they just see the like, oh, Parnish paid $2.50. So they tell me and it's like, I love that you're telling me, but it's like, how do I tell Mint that I'm going to get reconciled at the end of the month? I guess it's just something that they're going to keep you know, nagging me out, but it's a good nag. It, it, it is a good nag. I'll say there's all kinds of uh, room for optimization, you know, in the scheme of the big problems we want to solve. That's probably a little lower on the list, but I, I like you have the benefit of having reimbursement for ATM fees. And so I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm like, I feel you, man. I know where you're coming from, but trust me on this one. I got this. But, but hey, It feels good when that $5 reimbursement shows up as income. That's true. That's true. All right. Let's talk about habits. Your number one money habit, besides, of course, using Mint, that helps with your financial well-being. I um, I check my bills and where I stand um, at least every week, and I take stock of my balances, my you know my debits and my credits, so to speak. Uh, I always have, uh, and, and then I proactively move money around as necessary to make sure that nothing falls in arrears. Right. So every week. Is it like every day? Is it Fridays at noon or is it like you have it in your calendar? How does you do this with your partner? I'm so terrible. It's it's Saturday mornings. Uh, I'm just that kind of guy. Fair. At least you get it done. That's really exemplary. That is so money. All right, Al, let's talk really fast now. We're going to do some so money fill in the blanks and uh, don't overthink it. Just first thing that comes to mind. If I won the lottery tomorrow, I don't think you play the lottery, but let's just say someone came to you with a hundred million bucks free yours. Uh, pay your taxes, of course. But what's the first thing you would do? I think I'd buy a ski house in Utah. We love to ski as a family and uh, that's where I would buy it. And maybe you could buy a new North Face jacket. Uh, that, that would definitely be right right there in the top 10. Um, when I spend my money to make my life easier or better or both, I like to spend on. People are shocked when I say I spend $300 a month on Comcast. And the reason I do that is I, I get the maximum speed internet uh, because I just like blazing fast internet in my home. And uh, I know Comcast is like a reviled brand in America, but uh, I love Comcast. Is it the Fios? You know, I don't know. They, they call it business class internet. I don't think it's Fios. I think it's something else. I think this is like a whole other like class. That it's like behind closed doors. I've never even heard of like super. I thought, I thought what I had was like the fastest, but I think I've... I've been misinformed. Maybe it's a Silicon Valley thing, but I, I'm shelling out about four grand a month or not a month, a year on Comcast, which is probably not the best investment. Well, I get it. You know, that's smart in the Silicon Valley area. Those are the that's the demographic where people want like no hiccups with their Wi-Fi. All right. When I splurge and that because that could be a splurge too, the Wi-Fi. But when you splurge once in a while, what's your favorite thing to, to splurge on? You know, my wife and I like to splurge on entertainment. So we were just uh, recently at the uh, Beyonce formation tour. We always go with great seats. Taylor Swift, Bieber, you name it. Uh, we like it all. I love it. Toss your hair around, Al. I love it. Exactly. Um, awesome. I didn't, that is not something that I would have expected. It keeps me young. Fantastic. And I think there's a new Justin Timberlake special on Netflix. Will you be watching that? Uh, absolutely. Okay. I thought so. All right. Uh, when I was growing up, I know your parents did an excellent job, but what is the one thing that you wish you had learned about money growing up? You know, uh, understanding a little bit better about taxes uh, because it takes a huge bite and um, then being able to 
plan my life uh, around what I, you know, all the deductions that come out and what I actually have. And actually, it's a very common question we get when people get the paycheck. They assume, hey, what am, how am I going to spend all this money? And you should be asking yourself, how am I going to spend half of this money? And that's a very different thing. And I, I learned, uh, I learned it the hard way. I think a lot of us do because tax is just not one of those things that will really stick in your memory when you're. 12, 13, 14. I mean, maybe some of the aspects. I was terrible at accounting in college and I still pay my taxes, but I have a tax accountant do them for me. Well, uh, I'm very pro-tax. Freedom doesn't come free, as they say, but uh, you're you're absolutely right. Okie dokie. When I donate, you talked about donating in in the beginning of the show. I like to give to blank because... Well, I mentioned that environmental charity, I, I like to support that that cause. But uh, my wife and I, it, it's pretty broad based. Uh, we, we give to uh, different schools. Um, we give to uh, health organizations. And um, yeah, we, we give all over the place. Okay, so you're here in New York for another like 24 hours. What's something you like to do here for fun that, you know, I don't think, do you get to come here a lot? I come here about once a quarter, but it's usually all business. But uh, my wife happens to be on a business trip here at the same time. So we are going to Hamilton tonight. I'm so jealous. It was not cheap. I know that. I know that. We were just talking about on the podcast. I think it was on the podcast if I was going to go see Hamilton. And uh, the answer is not yet. I'm just... Well, I want to go before the babies do because then I won't see anything for like another three years. But uh, so maybe that'll be my splurge. Thanks for inspiring me. Alco, thank you so much. And um, it's been a pleasure. It was great to be here. Thank you. Thanks so much to my guest, Alco, visiting us here all the way from California on behalf of Mint.com. If you'd like to learn more about Mint, of course, visit mint.com. My blog is at blog.mint.com. And if you wanted to uh, participate in one of those audits that I'm doing, those Mint audits, email me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. If you missed any of this, no worries. Just head over to the website, So Money Podcast. There you can download the audio, the transcript, and send me a question for our Friday episodes of Ask Farnoosh. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope your day is so money. So Money.